Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. Welcome, everyone, to episode 99 of the NBA podcast. I'm Brian Taporic, and today our long national nightmare is over. Jaleel Okafor is finally no longer a member of the Philadelphia 76ers. He is now a Brooklyn Net, so we will talk about that trade. And then, unfortunately, we're going to spend a lot of time on injuries because that's been the prevailing story of the NBA so far this year. Before we get underway, wanted to remind you that you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. In our bio, you can find all of our Twitter handles, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We'd love any feedback. We're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Joining me today, as always, is my co-host Morton Jensen. How's it going, Mort? national nightmare or just philly nightmare <laughs> i would say national nightmare when woge is releasing like a story per month get to old navy for the biggest sale of the year up to 60 percent off all back to school styles for kids and baby get flip-flops for two bucks graphic tees for four bucks shorts for six dollars and jeans for eight dollars right now get the best kids styles at kid size prices just two four six and eight dollars can't wait to wear it buy online and pick up in store free today up to 60% off all kids and baby styles now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance. About how sad Okafor is to be rotting on the bench, and then all of basketball Twitter starts talking about it, it turns into a national nightmare. Or just does it just turn into a national story that we all enjoy participating in? Because let's be honest, whenever, whenever that debate is raised, everyone has a take. Right, yeah, it just it immediately feeds. goes back. We we haven't had enough process debates, so we clearly need to have yeah. <laughs> at least one more per month from now until North Korea nukes everyone. Oh, so for like another month? Right, yeah, exactly, for the next three weeks, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pre- I, I would be surprised if we see 2018, I'll just be honest. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's get into it. We got to start with Okafor, obviously. So ESPN Zach Lowe on Thursday was the first to report this. He is being sent to Brooklyn along with Nick Stauskas and the New York Knicks 2019 second round pick in exchange for Trevor Booker. So more, I want to break down both sides of this. Let's start with the net side. I think in terms of value, it's, you know, there's not much to argue here. Booker didn't fit into the Nets' long-term plan, so even if they only get that Knicks 2019 second-round pick for him, that's fine. If one of Okafor or Stauskas pan out for them, it's a home run. Like, it's a no-risk, high-upside move for the Nets. 
So the question is, do you think Okafor can turn his career around in Brooklyn? I think he can. I think we have been faulting him a little bit too hard for not being Joel Embiid or Kristaps Porzingis. I mean, he doesn't need to be a guy who can go out there and take five threes a game and hit them at like a 40% clip. He is going to be sort of a Greg Monroe slash Zach Randolph type of guy who scores mostly on the interior and on mid-range shots. I will say this is bad timing mentioning Zach Randolph as he just put <laughs> up five threes last night, but right. you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's okay to be an NBA player who scores on the inside and use you know his height and, and skill set near the rim. I mean... Last time I checked, getting a shot around the basket is still a high percentage shot. And if you can convert, you know, 58, 59, maybe even 60% of your shots uh, around the basket by playing closer to it, and you can get to the free throw line and hit a decent uh, percentage from there, which I think he can, be- he can become that player, then it's fine. Yeah, sure, he might not provide a whole lot of spacing, but that's okay. We, I mean, you can't have... 30 centers and 30 power forwards who can all stretch the court I I don't think at least you are going to have these outlier guys and given that Brooklyn is fond of the three point shot generally speaking it's okay to have a guy who isn't yeah I, I think everything you said I agree with uh, you know look at a guy like Ennis Cantor too you know he's right. thriving in the Knicks he's almost a nightly 2010 threat and he's not a consistent three-point shooter at all so there is a place for that in the league we always talked about Okafor in that Cantor Monroe mold thinking like oh those guys can come off the second unit you know dominate bench bigs but now we're seeing Cantor in the next starting lineup and he's faring well there so maybe there is a role for Okafor as a starter Um, you know obviously (laughs) having seen the guy play or not play in this year uh, but seeing him on the Sixers the last three years, I have some takes about this. I, I wrote a piece of b-ball breakdown for uh, so if you're more interested in the Okafor thing, check that out. But a few things stood out to me. Uh, as you mentioned, Mort, when he came out of college, he was just known as like one of the most dominant low post players we've seen coming out of college in decades i think it's fair to say like that was his bread and butter um draft express uh, matt kamalski noted at the time 54 percent of his possessions at duke were post-ups he averaged about point yeah point nine two two points per possession um and drew a foul nearly one-fifth of the time so that's you know the sixers knew that they fed him in the post almost six times a game as a rookie he had middling efficiency. He was around 0.5 points per possession. So better than Andre Drummond at the time, better than Anthony Davis, Pau Gasol, Hassan Whiteside, but worse than like DeMarcus Cousins, worse than Kevin Love. I think he was tied with Zach Randolph, actually. That's a rookie, mind you. Yeah, right, as a rookie. Um, once Embiid came back, he didn't, I mean, his everything fell, his minutes, his points, his rebounds his blocks, um, his post-up possessions fell to about four per game. So he just got squeezed out of the rotation because the Sixers had too many bigs. In Brooklyn, there are going to be a few factors working against him and a few factors working for him. Against him, right now, Brooklyn is averaging the fifth-fewest post-ups among all teams in the NBA. But last year, they had the 11th the most. So this year, it feels like 
it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Like, do they not run post-ups because they have only Timofey Mozgov, Jarrett Allen, and Tyler Zeller? Or is that just, you know, is Kenny Atkinson saying, we found post-ups aren't as efficient as other shots. We're going to avoid those. I would lean toward the former. I think it's just a matter of personnel not fitting. Yeah. You know, I think I think he's going to adjust his offense knowing that's how he can get Okafor going. Um, so I think that is fine. Like that, Okafor can overcome that as long as Atkinson proves willing to compromise and be flexible. The Nets also have one of the fastest paces in the NBA, and Okafor is, you know, he he's more of a plodding <laughs> half court guy. That said, he's coming from Philly, who also has run one of the fastest paces in the NBA for the last couple of years. So he's used to running at that speed. It's just, does that fit his style of play? I don't know. That said, right now with D'Angelo Russell out indefinitely after undergoing knee surgery, they don't have a go-to score. Like, it's Rondé Hollis-Jefferson and Karis LeVert and Damari Carroll, like Alan Crabb. All of those guys are good. They're all good complimentary guys, but who do you go to to get a bucket in the fourth quarter when you're down three points? You know, you, you need kind of that. That could be Okafor, possibly. I'm not saying he's definitely going to turn his career around in Brooklyn. I think it, it's just going to be a matter of, like, how rusty is he after not playing for the first two months this year? But like you, I think there's a chance. I, I yeah. don't think... The problem is the expectations are going to be, you know, will he ever live up to the number three overall pick? Probably not. Can he carve out a 10-year career in the NBA? I still think he can, assuming the knee is healthy. You know, he lost 20 pounds this offseason by going mostly vegan. He says the knee is better. Uh, you know, he had the meniscus injury his rookie year. It bothered him all of last year. If that knee holds up, there's a chance. So I, for his sake, I hope he, you know, I hope he takes this opportunity and runs with it. I think there is an NBA, a good NBA player in there still. I've said it, you know, <laughs> over and over on this podcast. It just wasn't going to happen in Philly because they had Joel Embiid. But yeah. on a team like Brooklyn, where they don't have Joel Embiid and they have <laughs> only Timofey Mozgov, like Tyler Zeller has been their starting center for the last couple of games. Like if Joel, if Jaleel Okafor could not beat out Tyler Zeller for the starting spot very quickly. That's going to be an issue. And that speaks to me and says, enjoy your career in Europe, Jeff. China, probably, because... Yeah, yeah no, but European style is not... Well, Danish. the Danish style is still focused on post-ups because we are dreadfully inefficient uh, <laughs> in terms of where we are in in planning for basketball games mm-hmm. um but in spain and 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 lithuania and stuff like stuff like that i mean it's more perimeter oriented so i would mm. probably go china the, <laughs> because there's, there's a lot of money there and a lot of former nba players so it would just makes sense that's a side note i agree um let's also talk about the minutes that he's probably going to get like yeah. because he is in that greg monroe and his candor mold He's probably not going to be the type of guy who's going to have like a 32 minute average. He's right. I could imagine him topping out at like the late 20s, mid to late 20s. Like right now Ennis Cantor is playing 26 minutes in New York. I think that's kind of a fitting uh amount for Okafor, which leads me to another point. Like you just mentioned 
can he run up and down the court? He's pretty athletic for a guy who was actually overweight for a long time, even even in college at Duke. Mm-hmm. So, and with him slimming down a little bit, I could see that athleticism just explode a little bit more. And if he's only playing those 26 minutes a game, then he should have enough enough energy to run the floor really, really hard because he knows, oh, you know what? I can use all the energy that I have because mm-hmm. I'm playing a limited amount of minutes. They, they don't want me to play 34, 35 minutes a night. So I can just go balls to the wall and then I can sit down and I'll be good to go for tomorrow's game or whatever, right. you know. So I think he will be one of those guys who just runs the court really, really hard. And the more transition points he gets, the better. Because that would allow him for freedom when they go into the half-court sets. Because if you have a guy who is, what is he, like 6'11"? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay, 6'11", 6'10", 6'11", yeah, somewhere around there. Probably around 260. If and he's now he's lost. down. He, he says he's down to like two forty-five now. I think he oh, was, okay, even yeah, better, like maybe two fifty. But yeah, that's still one big dude. So yeah. if he can run the court and he gets a pass at the free throw line area, mm-hmm. who in the hell is going to stop that guy from just finishing up with a hard ass dunk? Yeah, yeah, and I, I think to your point about minutes, the Nets don't have a player averaging thirty minutes per game right now. Their leading minutes getter is Damari Carroll at 29.7. So they have, you're ca- counting Jeremy Lin, who played <laughs> yeah. one game. Let's even take him out of the equation and take Trevor Booker out, for you know, since he's not on the team anymore. They right. still have seven other guys averaging somewhere between 20 and 29 minutes a game. So, like, that's what Atkinson has done, basically. It's not a Tom Thibodeau situation where he's playing... <laughs> You know, all of his starters, 40 minutes, and the bench barely see the court. It's like he's just sharing the minutes throughout. So I think it's a good point, Mort. I think if, you know, Okafor has never played more than 30... Over the course of a season, he's never averaged more than 30 minutes a game. That's what he did as a rookie. He Mm. was down to 22.7 last year. And then this year, again, he's been on the shelf. He's played 25 minutes all year. So it's probably going to take him a little bit of time to just a get back into basketball shape after not playing for two months. Um, but B like he hasn't even last year, he wasn't the team's focal point offensively. Like that happened. The last time that happened was his rookie season. So if that's how the Nets use him, at least until D'Angelo Russell comes back, it's going to take him. He's not going to like roll in on Tuesday and as the guys from the rights to Ricky Sanchez would say, he's not going to roll out of bed and put up a 2010. Like <laughs> right. It's, yeah. it's going to take him a little bit of time to get ramped up in that Brooklyn system. But, I, you know, I, I, I think it's a complete genius move, as always, from Sean Marks. I, like, how does this dude not get more credit nationally? Like, I feel because like it's we should, the Nets. Yeah, but, like, given what he inherited... He has done an amazing job. It's, I mean, yeah. I, he's not gonna he's not gonna win Executive of the Year by any means. Like I think, as we said a couple weeks ago, it's a two man race right now between Danny Ainge and Sam Presti. Maybe Daryl Morey sneaks in there, but Sean Mark should be in the top five at least. Like he just continue. I mean, for a team, are you that assuming had, he isn't? I, I don't think he's going to be. He, no one is talking about him, and I don't know why. 
Like well, I know why. Come on, you're part of the media as well. Look, the <laughs> big national outlets know what gets clicks, and it's not yeah. the Brooklyn Nets. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Oh, a little bit of KD. Oh, back to LeBron again. Voldemort. Hey, how Voldemort. How, Voldemort. Voldemort. <laughs> how about Lonzo and his Voldemort dad? Like, come on, you you know the media is just as well as I do. That's if true. you if you put out an article, like let's say someone very bright wrote a five thousand word piece on Sean Marks, yet yeah, basketball hashtag basketball Twitter would read it. That's yeah. fine, but the average consumer would be like, uh, who? Who? <laughs> That's, I don't know who true. that is. Yeah, I mean, I and I don't care because I want my LeBron news. <laughs> right. Well, I'm just saying. If Sean Marks, I mean, this is possibly the easier part of rebuild when you have no expectations and you're just accumulating talent and assets, you know, pissing away veterans because they don't factor into your long-term plans. Um, But the way he's been doing it is phenomenal, and I think he deserves more credit than he's been getting so far. I, I just... Imagine if the that if he hadn't inherited a team that has traded away all of its draft picks for the next three or four years. Hmm. Like the Nets are they're gonna be scary. I know yeah. you've been riding them all year. I mean like now I feel like <laughs> our our Nets thirty five wins bet I'm starting to get nervous for again mm-hmm. because I don't even know you know, I don't know when D'Angelo is coming back, but if Kenny Atkinson's a smart guy. Like I have faith that he's gonna help Oka for Oh yeah hit a level that he hasn't reached since his rookie year. And Stauskas. Like, yeah. Let's not forget Nick Stauskas in this. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Stauskas has barely played all year for the Sixers as well, but the Nets love bombing away from deep, and that's the one thing. Stauskas isn't efficient at it, but that's what he can do. It's one more sniper to add to that team that jacks up threes. I think, I, I don't even know how many, yeah. <laughs> the sixth most in the NBA, and they hit right. the eighth most. So it's a good fit for them. You know what, Brian? I I just had a thought here <clears throat> because I just ripped the national media for not talking about Sean Marks enough. Uh-huh. And you you were wondering like why is nobody talking about him? Next time we record, it will be our one hundredth episode. Yes, it will. So let's put this out there. Let's invite right here, right now, Sean Marks. You're invited to join us. <laughs> For whenever and and we will we will fit your schedule one hundred percent. Don't worry. You should be our guest of honor for our episode number one hundred. <laughs> I'm just gonna slobber on him too much. I'm gonna be like Sean. I've been I'm a noted, a noted tr- process truster who finds you to be the closest thing I have now that Hanky's gone. Now that Hanky has died for <laughs> our sins. <laughs> I'm looking for a new savior, and you're yeah, in. Right, yeah. You're, Brooklyn is close to Philadelphia. I guess I could make that work. Well, I think he would appreciate that. So, Sean, Sean, from, from one international to another, <laughs> you're invited on the NBA podcast for episode number 100. And for everyone out there, just just help us make this a reality. Come on, this is, this is, I want to say this is a pretty good gesture, the number episode, number 100, come on, that's, that's big. Yeah. That, that. Yeah. So, Sean I, Marks, get on it, man. 
I would be very surprised if him or any NBA GM came on this podcast as as they are all notoriously secretive outside of Daryl Morey, who's at least an entertaining follow on Twitter. But most oh, of I'm, them... I wouldn't ask, you know, Sean, hey, what are your plans for, yeah, for February? Right. Like, yeah, right. Who, but, who's the I next mean, draft bus that you're going to steal for five cents on the dollar? When are you going to yeah. acquire Mario Hazonia? Yeah. <laughs> that is totally going to happen at the deadline, by the way. It's sure. He might as well. You might as well just get the entire, like, crappy 2015 draft class all on the same roster. Like Emmanuel Moutier. Oh, get, man. Yeah, it's happening. Yeah. Stanley Johnson. Right, yeah. All right. Let's, let's switch to the Philly side of things. I mean, at this point, I don't think it's arguable. The Sixers screwed the Okafor thing at starting the day they draft him. They they screwed it up. Like, every single minute that he was on the roster after they drafted him, it was a mistake. They had Embiid. I know you couldn't count on him necessarily, but, right. you know, you also had Nerlens, You had Rashawn Holmes. You had a bunch of other bigs. Like, Okafor was never going to fit there. They, according to Woj... There, when Colangelo took over, the asking price at first was, I believe, two first-round picks, then a first-round pick and a young player, then it dropped to a second-round pick, then they had to give up a second-round pick. <laughs> plus it sounds Stauskas. so absurd. Yeah. Right. So, like, you can't argue in terms of value, you know, from a, a number three pick three years ago to having to trade a second-round pick to mm. get rid of him. That's not a maximal use of assets, so I don't think that's worth debating at all. Colangelo screwed up, Hinky screwed up, like everyone screwed up with the Okafor situation. Did Hinky screw up though? Yeah, by drafting him instead no, of Porzingis. Like, hey, we've been talking about this. Are we sure oh. that that was like an ownership thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, but even still, like if it even if it was Hinky screwed up. By not doing the same thing he did with Michael Carter-Williams. Realizing like, hey, this guy's putting up, you know, inflated stats. He's putting up 17-7 and seven as a rookie. He's not going to do this when Embiid comes back. Let me flip him now before the rest of the NBA catches on that he's not as good as his numbers would indicate. Well, by then, wasn't he already sort of in jeopardy with the whole job thing at that point? Like, think it he seemed, was, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not sure that we should put that at the feet of Hinky because we don't know the situation. Like, if he was mandated to take Okafor instead of Kristaps, and let, let's assume for a second that Hinky was just, you know, just going on and on about Kristaps to, man, mm-hmm. to to ownership and saying, you got to get this kid, but you had some old school guys who were like, Europeans, no thank you. Like, well, they also, Kristaps' agent didn't want him to go to Philly. He withheld right. his medical info, so... That was that's a concern true. as well. Yeah, that's a good point. That's yeah, I mean, point. I'm not, like, <laughs> you know, and you all know out there that I am a gigantic hanky apologist. I don't want, you know, I, in the back of my mind, that conspiracy theory is always going to be there just because Okafor so doesn't fit the style of play that Hinky was building a exactly. roster around. Yeah. But I'm not, you know, based on what we know, which is Hanky spent the number three overall pick on Jalil Okafor, did not take Christoph Porzingis, did not trade Okafor when he had the chance to do so. Whether or not ownership would have signed off on it, we don't know. But you know, like he had the he had a trade deadline to do it, and he didn't. 
I I'm going to blame him in part. That said, Colangelo also had more than a year. Like you know, at the trade deadline last year, Okafor mm. didn't join. Like he went home for two days because they thought he they were trading him. I believe to Portland or to the Pelicans or something. Um, like if the asking price was really as high as it was, we said this a couple weeks ago when that Woj report first came out. Like if it really was two first round picks, Colangelo screwed the pooch. He was never getting that. Like you should have just taken the highest bid at the trade deadline last year and moved on. It doesn't matter because it, it was going to end like this otherwise. Like the more you held yeah. on to him, the more his value was going to deteriorate. There was never going to be a time where his value rebounded. <clears throat> no, not unless Embiid had proven to not be healthy enough with the NBA. Right. But even still, Rashawn Holmes like outplayed Okafor. Like Rashawn Holmes is getting minutes. Yeah. 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 Like there is That's true. The, the front court was always too crowded. Like Okafor was not going to have the chance that he had with the Nets in Philly because you still had Dario who was playing some small ball five at the end of last year. Rashawn was playing well mm. up until the trade deadline. You had Nerlens as well. Like there was just too many bigs. I keep forgetting about Rashawn, but you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we don't need to debate anymore about the value. The value sucks, but. Trevor Booker is at least an interesting fit in Philly. How do you see him helping the team this year? And do you think he factors into their longer-term plans? They did acquire his early bird rights in this trade. I, I don't think this was like a bad return. I think Trevor Booker is tremendously underrated. It has been for, for years. Yeah, sure, he's 30. And he's a power forward who is not like a natural shooter. Mm-hmm. But he's very similar to like a Tosh Gibson type, mm-hmm. like a strong character guy, tough, will really help everybody around him getting better, especially in practice because he'll throw an elbow. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's gonna do so much for the psyche of the youngsters, like Joel Embiid, Rashawn Holmes. Mm-hmm. Those guys are gonna get beat up in practice now, and it's gonna toughen them up. They're gonna hate him for a while, right. and that's gonna be fine. And then when he comes out out on the court, he's going to be the greatest teammate they ever had because he's one of those guys who will go to war for you. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't think like playing style. Um, if you go from from that lens, like he's sure he he can get you about twelve point seven boards if you play him a shit ton of minutes, but he's not going to get that. So his numbers are really a secondary to me. I I don't really care about what he puts up, mm-hmm. as long as when he's out there, he rebounds some, he sets some hard screens. And when he's open, he takes a jump shot or finishes, you know, a, a, on a broken play, whatever. I, I don't care what he gives you on the court. What I care about is the mentality that he gives everyone around him. Because, uh, look, we already know that Philly has a lot of talent. Mm-hmm. You just touch upon it. Like, there's not really the biggest need for him as a player moving forward. You have a lot of perfect alternatives around him. But it's a y- lot of young guys. And it's young guys who... I don't want to say like all millennials, and don't worry, I'm one of them, but <laughs> are a little bit, you know, maybe, maybe not as tough-minded. Yeah. A little, you know, even Joel Embiid at times tries to avoid contact, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons as well. Like, now they're going to be confronted with it daily in practice. Like, Trevor Booker is going to bang into them when he gets the ball, and he's going to teach them, you know what, you better learn to take this, or I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> 
As long as he doesn't seriously injure anyone, that's that's my concern. I don't well, he's not Bobby Portis. Portis. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with what you're saying. I think the toughness that he provides both on the court and the veteran experience in the locker room is probably his biggest asset. Brett Brown, when speaking about the trade, said his professionalism was what endeared him, what endeared Brown to Booker. And he said, like, mm-hmm. you know, this guy – He's fine with not playing. Like, that's good. I don't, you, you know, my, again, we have six big men who deserve minutes already. Like, we we don't need a guy who's going to come in and expect 25 minutes a game because that's probably not going to happen. Like, we've got Embiid, Simmons, Sarich, Amir Johnson, Rashawn Holmes. Like, Booker is now the sixth. Um, oh, Sarich, too. God. Yeah. yeah. But that said, Philly has really, they've been experimenting with these supersized lineups for much of the year, in part because of Markel Fultz's injury kind of forcing them to do it. But, you know, they, they've had this starting five for a while of Reddick, Covington, Sarge, Simmons, and Bede. So now Booker is just one more big body to throw in there and force opponents. Like, okay, you want to go small ball. We're going to have four guys on the court who are 6'8 or bigger. Good mm. luck. You know, I mean, it's, <coughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know how much Booker is going to play, especially at first as he gets ramped up in the system. And, you know, Rashawn Holmes against the Lakers the other night had his best game of the season. Like that dude is already struggling to find minutes. I hope that Booker doesn't take minutes at the expense of Holmes. Cause I think Holmes needs to be on the court more than he has been. Yeah. Um, that said, I mean, they've the Sixers have suffered two of the more demoralizing losses this week that they have, frankly, all season. Frankly, that most teams have all season. I mean, coming off a 2-2 two and two week when you play four of the best Eastern Conference teams and then you come home and shit the bed against the Suns and the Lakers, that's, that hurts. And that, like, that's where you can, you know, as a young team, it's hard to have the consistency you need to come out every night, play hard, get wins against crappy teams. Like, you get worked up against a Cleveland or a Boston or a Detroit or a Washington, and you come home, you expect to beat the Suns handily, and then you get handed to. So I'm hoping, if nothing else, that Booker will, you know, get the young guys to realize, like, this is the NBA. You can lose any mm-hmm. night. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You know, I don't care that the Hawks are 4-20 or whatever. The Bulls are 4-20. They still have NBA players on that roster, and if you don't play hard, you're going to get your ass kicked. So I'm hoping, if nothing else, that's what Booker provides. Was it worth the second-round pick to get him? Yes. I mean, I guess, like, the Sixers have, thanks to Hinky, the Sixers have so many future first- and second-round picks coming their way. They just don't have the roster spots to accommodate all those guys, and yeah, you can draft and stash a bunch of guys. I think they had four second-round picks this year alone in 2018. So, you know, it it hurts to give up picks. I, you know, I, I'm always in the mindset of I'd like to be on the side receiving picks rather than giving them away. But... Yeah, as a former Bulls fan, I can, I can definitely... Yeah. <laughs> you can relate? Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, given their their situation right now, it's not an egregious loss to give up one second round pick. I mean, from no. a Sixers side of things, you you basically have to evaluate this as a second round pick for Trevor Booker because Okafor and Stauskas were gone at the year anyway. They could have just cut them both. I mean, yes, you run the risk of one of those guys blowing up in Brooklyn, but 
even if that happened, it wasn't going to happen in Philly, and they weren't going to resign in Philly. So, you know, it, it's it's similar to the use of Nurkic thing with Portland last year. Like Denver, yeah, Denver got rid of Nurkic and sold low on him, and they blew up. But it wasn't going to happen in Denver because Nikola Jokic was there. It just sometimes circumstances dictate when you have a better player, like you're going to have to sell low on someone, and yeah. you're probably going to lose in terms of value, but it's you just have to move on at a certain point. Agreed. Agreed. And, I mean, look, you could also argue that if – what I said before it turns out to be true that he toughens up all these kids and he has a psychological impact on it. Isn't that alone worth a second rounder? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So I, I think there's, I, I've actually been pleasantly surprised with the analysis I've seen about this trade. Cause I thought I would see more, Oh my God, you gave up a number three overall pick for a Trevor Booker. But it seems like people are basically just like, yeah, this is, this is just what had to happen. Like they weren't going to get anything of real value for him. Good for them for just moving on and <laughs> not pissing off his agent any more than they already did. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good sign. So what are you Let's let's wrap this one up by putting a little bit of prediction into this. Mm-hmm. How do you think Jalil is going to fare for the rest of this year in Brooklyn? Do you think he's going to have a tough time adjusting or do you think he's going to come in swinging? I think it'll be a tough time at first, yeah. and then I'd say by mid-January, he starts really getting going. I do think he's going to yeah. have a, a strong end to the year. At the one, oh, the one thing we should touch upon for Brooklyn as well is, you know, some of the concern with trading for Okafor was that whichever team trades for him because the Sixers didn't pick up his option can only <coughs> offer him up to his fourth year sal- what his fourth year salary would have been, so a little north of $6 million. And I saw people saying, like, well, you know, what if he really blows up? Then their options are limited because they can't sign him for more. I, I don't think he's getting more than $6 million a year on the free agent market. Do you? It takes one team. Yeah, I guess the Bulls are out there with cap space. I mean, they are. But, I mean, it just takes one team, like we've always seen. It yeah. just takes one team to go that, that length of being a little bit desperate, maybe having a, a bad luck early in July, and then mm. going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. We have all these money. We have to spend them. Quickly, quickly, quickly come up with names. Who? Right. That one? Yeah, sure. Why not? What did you say? Rashawn Rondo on, on one year, $14 million? That. Do it, do it, and wait. What was that? Dwayne Wade, two years, forty-seven. Sure, we have money. Go for it. I'm yeah. not. That was just a random team. It's just uh, two right. random examples. I just blurted yeah. out. I'm not sure. Like, <laughs> but you know, it takes one team. So yeah. um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, especially if he wraps up the year hot. Like, if That's he good. has a final month where he's averaging like eighteen and nine, mm-hmm. then forget about the six million. Someone's gonna bite. Yeah. Dallas. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I, I guess it's it's not outside the realm of possibility, but that wouldn't have influenced my thinking if I was a team trying to trade for him. No, like it, it, no, it shouldn't. Like yeah. you're going for it, and you're trying to show him some devotion as well. I think I touched upon this a couple of weeks yeah. back, or maybe mm-hmm. a month back. Like I think he's going to appreciate 
someone getting him out of the Philly situation. Yeah. And if they, if Brooklyn at the same time are going to go to him straight up and tell him, you know what, we want you here for the long term. We know that there are financials uh, in play that are out of our control, mm-hmm. but we believe in you. We want to make you a part of this whole process, and we want you to be a, a pillar of what we're trying to build here. I think Jalil is going to be very, very positive about that. I think he's going to appreciate it, and then that might lead to something. Maybe they agree on a, a one-year deal or something that will allow him to earn more the following year, or a, a two-year deal with some options. I'm not sure, but I'm, if if they just sit down at the end of the year and they tell him, you know what, we were satisfied with what you gave us, if that turns out to be the case, and he's happy being there, I'm sure they can work something out. The, the, the key thing here is just dialogue and communication. Yeah, yeah, I think I, I agree with all of that. So now that we've spent 30 minutes talking about Jalil before. Well, of course on. we did. Let's move on to actual good players and good teams. We got to talk about the Golden State Warriors. Unfortunately, Stephen Curry uh, suffered an ankle injury earlier this week. He is out for a couple of weeks, according to ESPN's Adrian Wojnarowski. Stephen Curry and ankles. That's not. That's not what I want to hear, Brian. No, and if you saw the clip of it, it, it looked. I did. Yeah it, yeah, it was similar to the Kristaps ankle in scare from earlier this year where it looked a lot worse maybe we're all just scarred from the gordon hayward thing still where we see an ankle go in a direction it shouldn't and we're like all right season's over <laughs> uh yeah thankfully steph it does there's no ligament damage no broken bones or anything it's just you know he's out for a couple of weeks it was a severe sprain do you think more this opens the door for houston to start running away with the number one seed in the west and if so should Golden State care? No. I don't even care. I mean, sh- does it open the door? I guess. It doesn't matter. It's com- it's a completely pointless... D- no, that, that's going to sound harsh. Brian, that's a completely pointless question. But, <laughs> no, yeah. no, but it, it's just like, there's no point. Even if they win number one, Steve Kerr and company are just going to, you know, shrug their shoulders and go, oh, well. And yeah. they're going to murder them come playoff time. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. Let's just go with it. It opens the door, but yeah. it has <laughs> it means nothing, nothing. And yeah. let's not forget one thing. I'm just, I'm going to spoil my crush already okay. because we're talking about him right now. Let's not forget there's this guy named Kevin Durant on the team. Yep, he, who over the last two has been playing pretty Kevin Durant esque. Let's just say he is mildly good at basketball. Yes. Yes, somewhat. (laughs) He's a decent basketball player, I guess. Yeah. And with Curry gone, you know, he can go back into the whole, you know what, I just want to remind myself of how good I am back. Right. And he's pretty damn good when he goes into that back, mind you. And I kind of think that he's just going to take it like a personal responsibility that, you know what, I'm just going to get us through this one. Mm, Don't worry, Steph. I've got you, baby. Yeah, don't don't rush back. I'll just yeah. drop forty a night. We're good. We're, yeah, I'll, I mean, I'll just do it. I'm averaging thirty five and a half over the past two games. Ten and a half rebounds, right. uh, eight and a half assists, three point five blocks. So, sure. 
And they, they came away with a big road win against Detroit on Friday night, even without Steph. I mean, it's it, the Warriors are just unstoppable. I, yeah. We, yeah. we know how this season is going to end, barring like a catastrophic injury. But A big road win. Did you yeah. just, yeah, that's just, that's saying that Detroit has, you know, have arrived. I I mean, I guess they've struggled of late, but, you know, without Curry, it's a, I would say it's a, you know, just getting a road win against a half-decent team is, that's a big win. Yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, we wouldn't have called it a big road team for oh, yeah. last year's Detroit. So right, I, it's, right. it's, it's like a really good compliment to this Detroit team right now who are doing yes. this well and i really enjoy their success it's a completely unrelated point but right. no i think they will be fine also you know just so we don't forget about it the warriors also have this guy called clay thompson yep draymond green there's a jordan bell in the mix yeah. as well andre yep. iguodala i oh is he hurt i'm not sure is he back he was uh, out for a little bit while well yeah. anyway but i mean they, I, I, I'm not really concerned about their debt. Yeah. I mean, Sean Livingston against the Warriors came in in the starting lineup, had 10 points. Iggy came off the bench for 29 and had five. Oh, yeah, but he's back. It, it yeah. was just the Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson show against the, the Pistons. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. basically, I'm not nervous, nor should they be. And, I mean, look, first seed. I think they are beyond seeds, aren't they? Golden yeah. State? I, I don't think they care about playoff positioning at all and i don't blame them i would agree with that although we so let's just go right into it Kawhi leonard is yeah. reportedly they were there was talk of him coming back tonight we're recording this on a saturday uh against the suns that got pushed back now he might allegedly make his season debut tuesday against the dallas mavericks according mm-hmm. to michael c wright so now not only do the Warriors have to worry about the Rockets? But now here are the Spurs, who, without Kawhi Leonard, have <laughs> yeah. gone 18-8 and eight because Spurs gonna Spurs. Yeah. So here's the question, Mort. Mm. Houston, right now, has the best win percentage of any team in the NBA. They're yeah. playing out of their mind. They're 19-4. and four. The Chris Paul, James Harden, you know, concerns about the two-ball-dominant uh, two players, one ball, have proven completely overblown. Yeah, it's working. Let's yeah, just... I, right. Who should the Warriors fear more? This year's Rockets or the Spurs once Kawhi is back up to speed? There's a part of me that wants to say the Spurs simply because of what Kawhi did last year mm-hmm. before Zaza got him. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, and the Georgian Mafia was <laughs> shortly behind it. Yep. But Chris Paul is a pain in the ass for anyone who he goes up against. And so is James Harden. And that whole dynamic in Houston has changed. Mm -hmm. And I also expect Eric Gordon, who's been kind of sneaky bad percentage-wide this year, to bounce back. Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. I I feel the the combination of talent in Houston is vast superior to that of San Antonio, but I feel the components in San Antonio are just so beautifully welded together that you just can't at any point ignore it. Yeah. And given that LaMarcus Aldridge seems to be LaMarcus Aldridge again, 
Mm-hmm. That's also a huge thing going forward because he's not just a good offensive player. He's also a strong defender when he wants to be, and he can establish himself. And now comes Kawhi Leonard, who I has or had as my MVP going into the year. Obviously, that's not going to be the case because of all the missed games. But he is in his, he's, what, 26 right now. He's just in the prime of his career. He's going to be fresh come playoff time. Like, that's... He's he's just he's missed this what two months of the season or just about, yeah. So he doesn't have that drag on his body, right? So he's gonna be completely top notched in tune come playoff time. Yep. And that is scary. Yep. I'm. It's probably a toss up to me, but if you put a gun to my head, I would say Spurs. But there's not a major separation between the two. I think yeah. both are scary just in their own way. Yeah. I. I... I know. I I'm, I feel like I don't want to disrespect the Rockets because yeah, I think exactly. they have a much better chance this year against the Warriors than they did last year. But I'm with you in thinking it's like, I don't know how you'd pick against the Spurs. I mean, yeah. what they've done, we've said it before, the fact that they are this good without Kawhi, like what the hell are they going to be with Kawhi? Mm-hmm. It's just... I mean, my God! Like they've they're eighteen and eight against a souped-up Western <laughs> Conference without their best player, and it, you know, as you said, Lamarcus is playing better now than he ever has in a San Antonio uniform. If he can keep that up when Kawhi comes back, like this might be the best Spurs team we've seen in the past couple of years, which is terrifying because they've always been a fifty-five, sixty-win team. You know, even with a kind of crappy Lamarcus. If he keeps, if he's like this still actualized, you know, effective post player, and I think he will be, you know, I I don't know that I pick either one of those teams in a seven-game series against Golden State. Like, gun to my head, I would still pick the Warriors to win the title over the field at this point. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, I, I think the Rockets or the Spurs would at least have a reasonable shot. I think those are the only two teams right now, mm. you know, no offense to anyone else out there. I think those two teams actually have a, you know, a half-decent shot at least hanging tough and staying competitive in a seven-game series, at, at which point, you know, some fluky shit can happen. Draymond could kick someone in the balls again, get suspended for a game. Like, you know, we, we've seen this... This Warriors team fall against overwhelming odds, so I'm right. not I'm not gonna say it's you know it's not impossible for them to lose, but yeah, it's it, it's a I I came up with that question. I was like, oh god, this is really hard. I don't yeah. you know I I think I'm almost giving it to the Spurs just because they their track record, right? Right, like, tradition. Yeah, like I I just trust them. It, maybe it's just a, a Greg Popovich thing. Like, I trust him more than any other coach in the NBA to make the right adjustments, not yeah. only on a game-to-game basis, but in-game. Like, if he sees something not working in the first half, he's not afraid to, you know, hurt someone's ego and say, like, I'm sitting you for the rest of the night. You're getting your ass kicked. It's just not working tonight. Let me ask you this. Do you think the Warriors have figured out Chris Paul more than they've figured out Kawhi Leonard? I would say yes, but 
it's <laughs> it's kind of a loaded question just because of the Chris Paul hasn't made it to the conference finals reputation. Like, all right, I, well, put that aside. Like, yeah. that's a player. Yeah, I I think they have, if only because Kawhi is so elite defensively that he's more of a threat against Golden State for that reason. Mm. Then you know, Chris Paul is a great defender, but the value added at this point is probably more offensive than defensive. Yep. Like the fact that he's this complimentary ball handler to James Harden and the fact that they, you know, now have one of those guys on the court for all 48 minutes. I think it, it, it'll be interesting to see how Mike D'Antoni staggers his minutes against a Golden State team cuz when you've got Steph on the court, it's one thing, but like if you've got either Paul or Harden going against Sean Livingston, with all due respect to Sean Livingston, who's played really well for the Warriors, you know, throughout his Golden State tenure, I think that's where you start being able to do some damage. Mm. So, yeah, I would say, you know, Kawhi is, outside of LeBron James, I think Kawhi is probably the toughest player in the league for the Warriors to handle. Maybe Joel Embiid gets there in a couple of years, DeMarcus Cousins, just because they don't have, you know, they don't have a traditional... Like, right. no offense to JaVale McGee, but they don't have anyone who can handle him. But I yeah. think a, a two-way <coughs> elite wing is, I mean, it's not only the toughest player for the Warriors to deal with, it's the toughest player for anyone to deal with. That's why you guys both had Kawhi last year as your MVP. And, like, mm. that's why he consistently gets mentioned among the top three, four, or five players in the NBA. And Chris is 32. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> that doesn't help either. No, I because the reason I asked was because that's kind of where I think Golden State see they seem to have figured out Chris. There's mm-hmm. there was this sort of rivalry brewing for a while, mm-hmm. and Chris was routinely just kicked in the ass by yeah. Golden State. Like they figured it out. Mm-hmm. Then Kawhi came along last year, and if if it hadn't been for Sasa, he would have what ended up with late 30s early 40s and a w yeah right like they yeah, have, have 20 no, plus points right they had no response to him yeah the fact that he started being like a pick and roll guy mm-hmm. who can both screen and handle the ball like he can play both roles in a pick and roll yep as well as being like you touched upon the defensive ace on the other end he mm-hmm. can rebound he can finish in transition he can shoot threes he can do whatever the hell he wants to it seems like that's a guy they haven't seen enough of to Mm -hmm. really understand okay how do we actually um, minimize this guy's effect on a basketball game right and because of that i think there's a level of fear in golden state when it comes to the spurs and Kawhi leonard compounded obviously by the fact that Greg Popovich is the greatest ba- basketball coach and human being of all time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, I, human I mean, being. <laughs> and human being. And human being. So I think there is there is something there. I think there's an element of fear there. I, I definitely think last year they knew that had Sasa not injured Kawhi, they would have at least been in a slight hole to open yeah. that series. They might have come out of it, but that question, I think, lingers a little bit. Like, what would have happened with a fully healthy Kawhi? Right. Would he have torn our asses apart, and would we have just, would we have lost? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, a fair question. Like they they were getting handed to him. Right. Uh, and I don't think they ask that question when it comes to Chris Paul. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, I agree. And maybe that, not yeah. James Harden. Right. Yeah. I, I'd agree that, especially Harden, like, yeah, he's like, you know, one of the, again, top two, three. I mean, he's the leading MVP candidate this year. One of the best offensive players in the game right now. He's still not, you know, Kawhi's elite on both ends. Harden is not as bad defensively as he has been. Yeah, but, he's been better. But you're still not calling him elite by any means. And so, Durant knows him. Yeah, that's true. Durant understands his psych his psychology or his psychological mindset. He he's yeah. been with that dude for so many years that he just knows that what he's gonna do. Yeah. I think that has a huge effect on it. It seems where whereas the Spurs are kind of the, this isolated family mm-hmm. where everyone stays within a, some sort of boundaries or concept of rules. Mm-hmm. Everyone else are like, oh, I know you. Hey, man, you know, there's this idea of I know what you do. I know how you play because we talk, we hang out, we train together in the summer, yada, yada, yada. And then comes the Spurs who don't really talk to anyone, anybody, mm-hmm. who th- just comes in and then they stay quiet. They don't talk trash. They don't project what they're going to do. They're just going to punch you in the mouth without saying why. And I think it confuses the hell out of every team they meet. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's gonna be knock on wood. Let's just hope we get at least one of Houston Golden State or San Antonio Golden State at full strength in these playoffs because that will be one hell of right. a good game. Oh, imagine if the seeds were just totally weirded up and Golden State had to go through both. both. I mean, Houston. right now they would. All right, they would. Oh, we should we should root for that because yeah. that's a championship team. If they go through those, yeah. then they're and they're going to meet like <laughs> Cleveland or Boston in the finals. It's just right. going to be, <laughs> oh, it's only you guys. Oh, sure, yeah. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, hold, hold up, Kate, Katie. Yeah, you can sit game one out. It's okay. We'll just start Icky. It's fine. Just don't worry oh. about it. Okay. Oh, that's low blow. The Eastern Conference isn't that bad. But yeah, compared I mean, to that though. Yeah, I know, I know. It, yeah, it'd be super fun. Let's I don't know, let's go back to the Houston thing. Let's let's root for Houston to get number one just for that reason. Yeah, um, why not? I mean, again, it's not gonna change the damn outcome. <laughs> right. Right. Alright, let's go we gotta hit some other injuries. Let's just go through them quickly. Yeah, because uh, there are a lot. Hassan Whiteside's out for the next three games at least with a left knee bone bruise. He told Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald that he isn't coming back until he's 100%, so the Heat originally ruled him out for one to two weeks. Sounds like it might be longer than that. Miami's 11-13 and 13 right now. They are two games behind the Sixers for the final spot in the East. Mm-hmm. How worried about you, or how worried are you about the Heat? I'm worried if I'm, a, if I'm the Heat because... Right, it's a close seed, mm-hmm. and and also I've invested that this much money in this core, and I really need to see them play together for an extended period of time before I can feel fully confident that my investments were well made. So yeah. that's one level of it. Um, I'm also kind of intrigued simultaneously, though, because I want to see what Bam Adebayo can give me mm-hmm. if I'm the Heat. Yeah. So I would just give him all the minutes that he wants. Or can handle mm-hmm. while Hassan is out. Just hey, Bam, if you want thirty-five, you got it. Just yeah. go out there, get the reps in, set screens, shoot open fifteen-footers, 
crash the glass, block shots, you know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and who knows? Maybe it. Maybe he doesn't need the ball in the same capacity that Hassan does. Hassan is more of a uh, a, a half court type center. He is not really the type of guy who is gonna fit in with the Rockets, for example. Like he's he's one of those guys who needs the ball and needs to create something. Bam, I think could fit in a little bit better in an up tempo system. He seems mm-hmm. to be more springy and doesn't really need the ball to produce all that much. So it's intriguing to see if they could actually improve with Hassan out, not having a guy who just sucks in everything. And Kelly Olynyk too has been playing pretty well. And that's true. Whiteside's absence. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm with 48% you. Forty-eight percent from downtown on the year for Olynyk, by the way. That yeah. snuck under the radar, didn't it? Yeah. So I'm, I'm like you. I'm worried about the Heat, but there is enough time for them to not totally panic. I think you know the both conferences right now that that mm-hmm. uh, the bottom playoff mix is still so close that like you know pretty much no one outside of the Chicago Bulls and Atlanta Hawks are out of the playoff race at this moment. Can I just ask you while we're at the heat here? Yeah. Do you think Justice Winslow is a bust? I don't I hate that word, but yeah. given how much we talked about, you know, him being a he should have gone the top 5, yada yada yada. Mhm. Maybe bust is the wrong word, but is he going to live up to his draft status? Well, this is year 3. I know he was injured last year. The, the problem with him is what the Celtics were allegedly willing to give up to get him. Like, right. they, yes, they were picks. like, yeah, yeah, supposedly four first-round picks. So is he going to live up to that? Hell no. Like, yeah. who is going <laughs> to live up to that? Uh, I mean, I, I think Winslow, it's just tough because he's competing with so many other guys who deserve minutes. Mm. Like, I, I think the Heat had low-key... The Heat have, like, a better version of what Brooklyn's got going, where they have so many guys deserving of minutes that they aren't playing anyone. You know, it's, again, it's not like the Timberwolves, or it's not like LeBron where they're playing 38 minutes a game. Like, the leading minutes getter is Josh Richardson at 32. So if they hadn't re-signed James Johnson, I think we'd probably see a little bit more out of Justice Winslow. But because they have so many guys who can fill that swingman role... I think Winslow is probably just doing what's asked of him, you know, which is very little at this point. Right? Like, would you like him to break out like Donovan Mitchell? Of course you would, but nice one, thank you. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I would hesitate to use the word bust. I don't. Yeah, I pull that one back. Yeah, but like he's. I mean, I'd say you know they had higher expectations for him this year than he's delivered upon. I think that's yeah. fair to say. We should get Alana Tatawar in again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's going to hate us, though, because we made fun of the uh, she had the heat as the top four seed. And we were like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, but we'll we are right, to, though. Yeah. We, we might have to wait until Hassan's back and he comes <laughs> back a little bit. Uh, all right. Let's move on to the Phoenix Suns. Devin Booker is out two to three weeks with a left <clears throat> adductor strain. So right now, the Suns, thanks to the Sixers, who they beat the tar out of the other night, the Suns are actually not <laughs> in last place in the Western Conference. They are 9-18. and 18. They are 12th right now, uh, tied with the Memphis Grizzlies and Sacramento mm-hmm. Kings in terms of games back. They are a game, and a, ha- yeah, a game and a half ahead of the Dallas Mavericks. Do you think without Booker, they're about to plunge back into the tank race? 
not not in a sense where they they actively go for it. I think I think they want to give their young guys as much reps that they can. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Phoenix management are going. Oh no, no, <laughs> we we were just making a push for the playoffs. No, I I think there is kind of a feeling amongst them right now that's all like. Oh, that sucks. He's had a good year, so hopefully he can bounce back when he gets healthy. But in the meantime, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to lose as many games as we possibly can in the meantime. Mm-hmm. But whether to go into the full tank, I, he's not lo- out long enough to do that. Yeah, I agree So with that. they could just look at us, hey, maybe that means a higher pick or two. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's all just so close right they're not catching the hawks or the bulls i think that's fair to say oh yeah so nobody nobody are gonna catch the bulls look i don't know what's going on with charlotte but charlotte is responsible for 50 percent of chicago's wins (laughs) and and the bulls have only won games by the way on fridays so Mm. i'm just saying they are gonna be the worst of the worst when everything is said and done yeah even when zach levine comes back Dude, it's have you seen Fred Hoiberg's system? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, I I agree. I think I'm pretty good. sure Nori could run a better system. <laughs> I don't know. My dog is really dumb. So but, well, well, so is Fred. So that's perfect. <laughs> uh, that's oh man. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The Suns are they'll be in that like three to seven range. I don't think they're gonna completely tank. Um, but I will I will say this though. You like fantasy basketball? I do. You should probably pick up T.J. Warren. Uh, he's already well, well above the ownership percentage. Uh, let me see. Yeah, he's he's way above fifty percent. Oh, okay. Yeah, he he would he's eighty percent now. Yeah, I mean he's the second best player on that team. Yeah, exactly. Because he's probably going to have some huge games. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's already had some huge games. Like it's Booker putting up thirty to thirty-five, and then Warren putting up twenty, and that's how they have won nine games so far. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised like if he just takes it personally with him out. Yeah, and for the next couple of weeks, just goes apeshit. Right. Yeah, it's totally possible. Uh, Got to go, Charlotte. You just mentioned Cody Zeller is out indefinitely with a torn medial <coughs> yeah. meniscus in his left knee. The Hornets are nine and fifteen right now. As you mentioned, mm. they have lost to the Bulls twice. <laughs> and they lost Jeremy Lamb last night as well. We don't know. Oh, I haven't God. heard a report back. Yeah. Like, so with all of that in mind, I think you and I both pegged them as a playoff team. Is it time to abandon hope on that? Probably. I mean, nine and fifteen—it's bad. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure that I'm. No, you know what? I'm. I'm willing to say it. They they don't bounce back from this. I don't think yeah. they do. Especially if it turns out that Lamb is going to miss time. I yeah. mean, we still haven't gotten report back. I mean. It says the st- status for next game is unknown. Mm. So we'll see if it was a shin contusion. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't okay. need to be all that bad. Yeah. But we don't know. Co- right. Cody is one of those guys who does a lot of things beyond the box score. Yep. A lot of the little things. Yep. It's just yeah. not a great sign to lose to the Bulls twice. So no. really I'm kind bad. of concerned that they they have a tendency to play down to the level of competition. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, they're going to drop a lot of games. I will say this, though. I don't think we should put it at the feet of Dwight Howard, Howard, and we know that people are going to do that. 
yeah. because Howard has actually been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I agree. let's just get that out of the way immediately, and we should maybe ask Nicholas Batum to do a little bit more than what he's doing because he's been god awful. Right. Yeah. I think the elbow injury that he suffered. Yeah. What's with him with the elbow injuries? Feels like it's just know. been a thing for the last couple of years. But then every time, or I guess he had the wrist in Portland too, right? But then, oh like, right, he yeah. came back from the wrist and then was just god awful all year. So it's it's starting to feel like it might be a repeat of that. Like maybe the elbow isn't a hundred percent. He are he re injured it at one point since returning and had missed a game because of that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I'm jumping ship on Charlotte. I I do not feel good about the direction of that team. And I I don't see how they come back, especially with, you know, Orlando, the Knicks have all kind of fallen back. Even the Sixers have Mm. fallen back from their hot early season pace. But I'm still at this point, you know, if I'm envisioning a game between those any of those teams and Charlotte with, you know, with the Knicks fully healthy, uh, it would be hard to pick Charlotte for any of those. There's... There is one thing that could happen, though. One thing. Malik Monk starts mm. to go Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. But whether or not that's feasible, that's an entirely different conversation. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, let's actually go to the Knicks next, because we've got Tim Hardaway Jr. He's out at least two weeks with a stress injury in his lower left leg. Mm. We shouted out early in the year because, you know, everyone made fun of his contract, and then he turned out to be actually a pretty good basketball player. He's been playing really well for the Knicks this year. Uh, Now, you know, out at least two weeks, possibly longer. The Knicks, again, they were, you know, one of the pleasant surprises from earlier in the year. Then Hardaway got hurt. Kurt Stops got banged up for a little bit. They're now 12-12. and They're only a game (laughs) behind the Sixers, but... How are you feeling about their playoff chances right now? You know, I, I'm not one of those guys who jumped on the whole Tim Hardaway something good wagon because... Okay. No, no he, here's the thing, though. He scored 374 points this year, but it's taking him 317 shots. Mm. So he's a volume scorer. Mm-hmm. And as we know, unless you offer elite efficiency or fantastic defense... You're not going to be that big of a difference maker if he's just a volume scorer. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't provide any of those things. He's not efficient, and he's not a strong defensive player. So his 18-point average may look nice, but it takes him 15 shots. I mean, he's shooting 31.6 from downtown. He's not really getting to the free-throw line all that much, 3.6 time a game. Mm-hmm. So I'm not all in on tim hardaway and i'm not really sure that losing him for a couple weeks is the worst thing i would be more concerned had it been courtney lee honestly yeah i think he does more for the team than hardaway does right he's been playing really well this year he has and so has ennis kander which we talked about a little bit earlier yep so i i think that without hardaway they might get a little bit more streamlined offense because Mm. hardaway does go rogue Mm -hmm. quite a quite a lot and sometimes that works for him, and sometimes it doesn't. But now they ha- have the ability to just make their offense a little bit tighter. So I actually see this going forward as as some sort of blessing in disguise. I'm optimistic they will stay around 500 for the rest of the year. And in the East, that should be enough for a playoff spot. 
Yeah. I, I was never, uh, with uh, like you, I was never buying uh, the Knicks in general as a legit playoff contender. I mean, Chris Dobbs yeah. is really good. He's, you know, he should be in the mix for most improved player even. But I just don't think they have enough, especially with Indiana, Detroit playing better than expected uh, if Miami bounces back a little bit. The Knicks will probably be in that, you know, 8, 9, 10 mix, but I don't know if they're going to sneak past the Sixers or the Heat or, you know, maybe Charlotte gets it together. Maybe Orlando comes back from this slump they've fallen into. Yeah. It's possible, but I, I yeah, think... I'm just not ruling out Kristaps, man. Yeah, I know. He's really good. I'm not, it's, I'm not ruling it out either. It's totally possible. Would want to see him rebound more for someone seven foot th- uh, fucking three. Yeah, well, that's NS Cancers gobbling up all the boards. Well, when you're 17th in the league and rebounding. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, let's go. We got to go to this weird one. Let's. Mm. <laughs> well, we could. Right, before we do that, we will just mention briefly. Derrick Rose is back with the Cavs. He has a bone spur in his ankle that may need surgery. I don't think there's a huge takeaway there, aside from, you know, we don't know if or when we're going to see Derrick Rose again this season, but Isaiah Thomas is coming back soon, so it's not going to make a huge difference either way. Uh, we got to go to Nerlens though. So he is out now at least for the next four to six weeks with thumb surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, he also, this past week, which really should fall into our Where Amazing Happens segment, uh, visited the, the media, uh, the media room at halftime and grabbed a hot dog. And then afterward was saying, well, I was just really hungry. I worked out pretty hard before the game. I, you know, I just needed to grab a bite to eat. Uh, Dallas media raked him over the coals for that. <laughs> yeah, Unsurprisingly, Rick Carlisle, like he was, do- he was doing a press conference or like he was meeting with Nerlens was meeting with reporters uh, to kind of explain and apologize for that. And Rick Carlisle actually like came up to him and was like, joking with him, and they seemed to be in like good spirits. But it's just one more weird thing to add. Or I guess two more weird things with this thumb injury that previously went unreported for the first couple months. And I, I think he I saw He picked up someone... too many hot dogs, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe he burned his finger on the yeah. hot dog container. That's, that's true. Because I, I'm pretty sure... I might be wrong here, so apologies in advance if this is fake news, but I thought I saw a tweet saying that after they announced he was going to have thumb surgery, there's a tweet of him like taking jump shots in a pregame warm-up. So it's just the whole thing is weird. I, mm-hmm. Now that Okafor is freed, can we start a free Nerlens hashtag? Oh boy, we are never going to be not talking about this former Philly guy. <laughs> I mean, it's just weird, right? Like, I don't know what it is. Going, it's just I, the whole thing. The whole thing is very strange. It is. No, I agree with you. But here's the here's my thing, though. It's a hot dog. I'm yep. not sure why people got that pissed over a hot dog. Like, right. I get that it was untraditional going into the media section and getting a, a hot dog because mm-hmm. players don't usually go into that area. Yeah. But, like, who cares? The guy wanted a hot dog. I want a hot dog. We're, I mean, I would go very, very long legs to get a hot dog. I'm okay with that. So, and, and then the the thing that annoyed me the most was people going, that's not healthy. 
Oh, no. You should not have a hot dog, Nerlens. You're a professional basketball player. You should eat, like, kale and shit. Where I'm just like, <laughs> shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that guy works out more than you probably have in your, in your whole life. And he, that's fine. He burns so many calories. Like, it's one hot dog. Shut up. Right. It's fine. For all we know, it was, like, the Hebrew National Reduced Calorie ones. They're only 45 calories. So maybe. <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's still watching his figure. We don't know. Hey, man, look, he's skinny as shit. I don't mind yeah. him eating 15 hot dogs. That's right, fine. yeah. Pork up there, bud. You gotta, yeah. you gotta deal with the big man in the NBA. You're not gonna deal with Joel Embiid weighing 235. Oh, that reminds me. Um, so this is a side note, but it's just a funny story. We had a Danish basketball player a couple years back, kind of um, a skinny, skinny dude, and he was given this advice that he should start to bulk up a little bit. And he got the worst advice of all, that he should start uh, drinking, like, um, you know, the fattest kind of milk. Oh, uh, no. Full whole milk? Full, whole milk, there we go. Yeah. So he drank, like, three liters a day. <laughs> just because, oh, okay, I needed to I needed to bulk up a little bit. Yeah. And he just, he became downright fat, and it just ruined his entire game. And sure. it was just so, yeah, obviously. Because he'd done that for like a year, maybe a year and a half, and I hadn't seen him for a while. And then I was I was going to a game where he was playing, and and you know our games aren't they aren't they aren't on TV as 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 much. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I kind of looked at him. And went, I don't know who the hell is that guy. I like bummed into my buddy. Like who's that? Who's that guy? Oh well, that's this God. and this. You're shitting me. No, no, he's been on this new thing, this new diet. Diet? Really? Like what? He did he eat his younger brother? <laughs> but yeah, so so that happened. Um, so so Nerlens, not go that far, right. but a hot dog every once in a while. Good on yeah. you. Good yeah. on you. On that note, let's move into our crushes of the week. These are players who, well, I guess in your case, Mort, if it's who you said it was earlier, these are yep. players who one of whom does not get the attention he deserves. And I guess one of whom should be getting even more attention than he already gets. So, Mort, hit us yeah. with yours. No, that's that's Kevin Durant, which who obviously gets a lot of attention. But it's just, we, we seem to be forgetting in this whole crazy Golden State Warriors world that there are some, some amazing talents on there. Mm-hmm. And Durant right now, without Curry, is just going to explode. So this is more of like a prequel warning to what's about to come a pre-crush yeah a pre-crush <laughs> even though i will say this i i wrote his, i or i mentioned his deadline before but i'm just going to repeat it over the last two 35 and a half points a game 10 and a half rebounds eight and a half assists three and a half block shots and of course he's 15 of 16 from the free throw line in that time span as well so dude is putting up some some crazy ass numbers and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he has like a goal in mind mm. over the period that curry is out where he's gonna go i'm gonna average near a triple double and <laughs> like with, with 30 points i'm just yeah. gonna go michael jordan point guard back in the late 80s early 90s stage mm. for a couple weeks yeah yeah i mean he heard russ triple doubling every night last year he's got a gotta match his former teammate right of course of yeah. course and you know what he can if he wants to because Durant is a skilled ass passer. He's yeah. averaging five point three assists per game, and that's you know this is interesting to me. He developed as a passer so well 
early, in, somewhat early in his career, and it's a, it's sustained throughout his career. Like he's been a good passer for a while, but whenever mm-hmm. anyone talks about KD, the passing is ignored. Like no one really takes a half hour and goes, you know what, Kevin Durant he makes really good reads and he passes the ball really efficiently. Mm. No one talks about it. We, we talk about it with LeBron. We talk about it with Ben Simmons. We talk about it with Giannis. But KD? No, yeah. no. Natural scorer. Natural scorers, you guys. He's he's the guy who can pull up from mid court, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. No, we need to start need to start talking about his all around game because it's amazing. Yeah, I feel like his defense got a lot of attention, especially in the finals last year. Right, right, and but, deservedly so. But right. like then this year. Hey, Jeff Van Gundy, this year the, the narrative should be his passing, okay? Yeah, for real, yeah. I mean, it's like yeah. the that was the big criticism lobbied against Carmelo Anthony for his entire career, basically, because like, he was always yeah. compared to LeBron. It's like, well, Carmelo's an electric scorer, but what else does he do? Like, KD, right. the fact that he's rounding out his game as he is, it, it, just like how you know LeBron adding a three-point shot is going to add to his career longevity... KD becoming more of a passer is going to add to his, and it makes him that much more dangerous of an all-around player. Like, what is Kevin Durant's primary weakness right now? Does he have one? That's the thing. That's kind of what I'm asking. Does he yeah, even have one? I would say turnovers in transition, maybe. Like, But that's just the whole Warriors team in general. They make some really dumb decisions sometimes. Yeah, and he has a bad year with the turnovers. Like, last year he was at 2.2 a game. So Yeah. I mean, I'm not seeing a major weakness in Durant's game. No, I, I don't think there is one. I think he's yeah. he's in that tier. I mean, it's, you know, Kawhi's right there, too. LeBron's right there, too. It's like, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you are finding holes in their game, it is nitpicking to the nth degree. Right. Like, I could... I could see why someone would say, oh, Durant is like a seven-footer who's extremely athletic and is long-armed. He should maybe be getting more rebounds. But yeah. like even even by then, it's like, yeah, but it's okay, though. Like He's not right. a bad rebounder. He's averaging seven for his career. It's it's fine playing the small forward position. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, they, don't, I mean, they have Draymond there to gobble up all the boards anyway right it's like right there are only so many rebounds to go around they might not be asking him schematically to go crash the glass every time they might be saying hey you're more dangerous leak out in transition so we can exactly. hit you you know and have you pull up for three and mm. that's that's soul crushing transition three that the warriors have perfected all right so yeah we agree that he's fantastic and worthy of a crush yeah yeah, that's yep, fine. Yep. Uh, All right. <laughs> I'm going to go with someone a little more underrated. I I was torn this week, and I'm going to save the one uh, probably for next week because I expect him to continue playing this well. So I'm going to go with Alec Burks this week. Poor guy has just been ravaged by injuries throughout his career. Uh, but Rodney Hood right now has missed the last six games with an ankle injury. We're not quite sure when he's going to come back. Alec Burks, in the meantime has really picked up the slack off the bench. In the last six, he's averaged more than 20 a game on nearly 54% shooting, almost four rebounds, three assists, more than two threes a game, a steal and a half. 89 from the line? 89 from the line, only 26 minutes. Like, this Utah team, we talked about them when Gobert went down, and we were you know, we were wondering, are they, <laughs> are they screwed, basically? Like, are they going to be able to withstand Gobert's absence? 
Mm. You know, he was their best player. Are they gonna? Their offense was terrible at the time. That was before Donovan Mitchell got cooking. But then Rodney Hood goes down, and you're like, uh oh, you can't. You know, again, can they sustain their offense with Gobert out, with Hood out now, with Ricky Rubio having returned to Earth? Like, can Donovan Mitchell carry an offense by himself? Thanks to Burks, he hasn't had to. So I mean, yeah. th- this Utah team. You know, it, it looked a little dire early in the year as they figured out their post-Gordon Hayward rotation and scoring options and, you know, who's who's going to be our number one, our number two, our number three scorer. We don't have a Gordon Hayward anymore. Donovan Mitchell has happily slid into that number one role. Rodney Hood was there before he got hurt. But now if you've got, you know, when Hood comes back, if you have Mitchell, Hood, and Burks all playing this well... Like, this Jazz team is suddenly much scarier than it looked a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So... I'm, I've been surprised by the three-point barrage of those yeah. guys. Yeah. I did not expect Donovan Mitchell to come in and average two and a half makes per game. Like, he was a right. pedestrian three-point shooter at Louisville. Right. I, I always suspected he would be a better shooter, like... You know I said that like a million times. Yeah. But I did not expect him to come in right off the bat and hit 37.5% on 6.5 attempts per game. Like, yeah. I thought that would take at least a year. They're Right now they are 5th in the league in made threes, 8th in attempted threes, 3rd yeah. in three-point shooting percentage. They're really, really good from behind the arc. Yeah, and they have Joe Ingles too. Like, Oh, obviously, he's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, he's, I guess he's second behind Hood right now in terms of uh, makes per game on the season. But he's shooting 45.6% from three-point range. Like, the whole point with Burks is, like, if if he gives them one more offensive weapon, this Jazz team, you know, they they fell under the radar because they struggled so much early. But right now, they're back in the playoff race. They're 13-13, tied with the Pelicans for the seventh seed. If I'm a contender, you know, I guess when Millsap gets healthy, the Nuggets are probably the one the top four or the bottom four team I'm most scared of. But like I'm more scared of the Jazz than I am the Trailblazers. Yeah, for sure. Like the the Jazz could make some noise in the playoffs. It'll be really interesting to see where they fall, whether Burks can keep this up, when Hood comes back, yada yada. But I just I you know, because Burks has been more potential than reality throughout much of his career. I wanted to shout out seeing him kind of live up to that potential, at least for a short stretch. Yeah. You're a nice guy, Brian. I like you. <laughs> Thanks. After shitting on Jalil Okafor for 35 minutes, I felt like I had to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so while while we're at the Jazz, um, yeah. 28.6 points a game over his last five, Brian. Donovan. Mr. Mr. Mitchell, yeah. Yeah. Yep, he's. I just want to pat myself on the back once more because yeah. I I am that hardcore of an egomaniac. <laughs> if if you guys want, we I tweeted proof of this from the NBA podcast Twitter account the other day. I found the episode where Mort was talking pre-draft about how much he loved Mitchell. I think we were talking with Sam Vecini, who now writes for the Athletic, and you know we were you Mort you asked him because uh, you were talking about kind of the mid first round. Guys, and you're like, why is Donovan Mitchell not being mentioned with Lonzo and De'Aaron Fox? Like, I don't see why he's not right in that tier. And, <laughs> right. You know, as it turns out, you were right. He very much should have been. 
there are a lot of teams that are kicking themselves uh, over passing up Donovan Mitchell. You know, not only the Nuggets for trading his rights away, but, mm. you know, the Pistons took Luke Kennard uh, one pick before him. I will uh, say Matt, Matt Moore has scared the shit out of me because yeah. he said something really, really smart, as Matt oh, Moore yeah. tends to do, mm-hmm. which was that Quinn Snyder was not inclined to play youngsters. Right. So that would be one thing that could prevent Mitchell from getting the minutes. So shout out to Quinn Snyder, actually, yeah. for recognizing the talent that, that uh, Donovan is and saying, you know what, screw tradition, I'm going to play you as, as many minutes as you want because clearly you're worth it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, and that's I'd say that's a good place to wrap up this week. So yep. thank you all for joining us for episode 99. We will, even if we don't get Sean Marks on for our 100th episode, we promise to have a good one for you next week. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter at the NBA Pod. You can find our Twitter handles in our bio, so give us a follow as well. You can also find us on iTunes, so please subscribe, download, leave some reviews. We would love any feedback. And we're being hosted this year on FanRag Sports, so check them out on Twitter at FanRag Sports and for their NBA content at FanRag NBA. Until next time, I'm Brian Taporic, and I was joined by Morton Jensen. Have a good one, Mort. You too, Brian. I am. Next time we talk, I have uh, been. I've been. I've seen the new Star Wars. So oh. expect me to, yeah, not rant away, but just I either rant or just cry because I'm so happy. Yeah, gush is the only word you're looking for because there's yeah, going to the, be no the, ranting. I'm, it's going to be fantastic. I think. I hope so. Yeah. We, yeah, we just bought tickets for it for next saturday so no spoilers next week but yeah there you go the oh i have every have opportunity review. yeah because i have every opportunity to do so because it's on wednesday and it actually comes out i think first day or th- friday in the states yeah yeah so for at least 24 hours i will have complete control of the united states of america i'm gonna just log off twitter until saturday <laughs> that's really that's that's the right play. I'm gonna win every argument on Twitter. Hey, yeah. hey, you want you want me to spoil Star Wars for you? Then shut the fuck up. Right, right. <laughs> so look forward to that next week. We'll hear Morton's take on Star Wars. Hopefully, it turns out a little better than Justice League. Fingers crossed. Oh, did you see that? I have not. Did you catch no. it? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm saving All my right. money for Star Wars. I always, yeah, yeah. You <laughs> need to. Your wife's a doctor. You need to save your money. That's true. Yeah, that's true. All right, Mark, catch you next week. Yeah, you too, man. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now in Cova Insurance. Get to Old Navy for the biggest sale of the year. Up to 60% off all back-to-school styles for kids and baby. Get flip-flops for 2 bucks, graphic tees for 4 bucks, shorts for $6, and jeans for $8. Right now, get the best kids' styles at kid-size prices. Just 2 4 6 and $8. Can't wait to wear it? Buy online and pick up in-store free today. Up to 60% off all kids and baby styles. Now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 729 to 811. Select styles. Excludes in-store clearance.